0: Good evening, everyone. Good evening. And so let's look at uh, our first reading uh, from Isaiah. Isaiah, uh, the prophet, assures the Jews who are exiled in Babylon that there will be a new exodus. Uh, the message is one of hope, uh, which is typical of Isaiah. And uh, the first reading contains this message. It's addressed to the Jewish exiles in Babylon, and. Uh, he said, "It'll be new and it'll be glorious, uh, and there'll be great events greater than those of the first exodus, and all of this will happen because God is faithful, unlike the people." And when we look at the reading, it says he forgets the past. Put it in the. He says, "Do not look back; look now to the future." And we hear. Um, St. Paul uh, say the same thing. And St. Uh, Paul, Saint Paul uh, has willingly sacrificed everything, is what he is saying, uh, for the justification that comes through faith in Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. And in that, then he has hope of resurrection. And uh, he would go on later to say, like a runner in the final stage of the race, He doesn't look back anymore, but he keeps his eyes to the front, where the win is, where the prize is. And for him, that would be the resurrection. My friends, um, our gospel is interesting from uh, many perspectives. And uh, I want to remind you John's gospel, the opening of John's gospel. you know, we're hearing from chapter 8, but in the beginning it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him, John 3, line 17. And my friends, this story, uh, the account of the woman caught in adultery, um, is as much about her as it is about the plotting of the religious authorities. The scribes and the Pharisees who bring charges against her. And uh, my friends, the Pharisees and scribes, they don't like each other. If you haven't caught that in your studies of the scriptures, they don't like each other. They have different opinions about uh, what God has said and done. And uh, they like to nitpick each other. However, now they have come together, two enemies Pharisees and scribes have found somebody else to pick on. Two groups that, generally speaking, do wicked things, have joined forces to come against this Jesus of Nazareth. And one of the first things they pick up, they bring the woman and treat her with great cruelty by dragging her through the street putting her in the center of where every, all the action is. And where is the man? One does not commit adultery by themselves. My friends, John tells us clearly that what is really going on here, that they are really after Jesus, and they are trying to level charges against him, John 8, 6. So they are using um, and abusing a woman with great cruelty. And they bring her to Jesus. And they pay Jesus homage. Teacher, it's a sign of respect. Teacher. They remind everyone present that Moses demanded death by stoning for such a crime. And adultery certainly was and is a sin. And it was destructive not only to the woman, perhaps to the man, but to that whole community. The Pharisees and scribes ask Jesus, What say you about this? smugly and with self-righteousness and false morality. They feel that they have trapped Jesus finally. If Jesus agrees with the Mosaic law, it will show him to be without mercy, which has been a trademark of Jesus. But it will also put him at odds with the Roman government. The Roman government We're the only ones who condemn people to death. The Jews couldn't do it. So they're trying to trap Jesus this way. Put her to death so we can run and tell Caesar. And that is later why there would be a charge against Jesus before Pilate under that same thing. If he suggests the woman be spared, he would appear to contradict Moses, great Moses, the giver of law, God's law. There seemed to be a no-win situation for Jesus. First, Jesus knows that they did not care about the woman and what she has done. It wasn't her they were after. She was known in the city they could have gone after her anytime. It was Jesus they were after. And Jesus does something uh, that has been talked about ever since. He bends down. And um, I think my professor in the seminary who taught us from the Greek. And the word that John uses, the writer of John uses is a very, very technical. Katagraphine. We would understand it as doodle. He doodled, smiley face, <laughs> a dog chasing a bone. He's doodling, scribbling is another way to understand it. So he bends down and he scribbles or doodles. And why do we doodle? You know why people doodle, because they're wasting time. They're killing time. They're bored, maybe, <laughs> right? Right? So it appears that Jesus is stalling so that the men would have the ability to change what they were about to do. But these would-be persecutors and prosecutors persist in their wickedness. So Jesus stands up and looks at them directly in the eye and challenges them Let the one among you who is without sin cast the stone at her. And then the gospel writer tells us Jesus kneels back down, and this time the word is graphene. Graphene means to write. He's writing now. And we do not know exactly what he is writing because the gospel writer doesn't tell us, but Uh, Here's some ideas. Psalm 30. If you, O Lord, mark our sins, who could stand before you? Jeremiah 17, 13. But there's even one that's more telling. Those who rebel against God will be put to shame. That comes from the Psalms. Put to shame, the word that is used means to write on the earth. What is believed is that Jesus wrote very particularly the sins of the accusers, those men, in such a way that they knew that Jesus knew. Robber and thief. I'm out of here. He knows. Stealer of the tithes of God. Oh, I'm out of here means he wrote in great detail those men's sins in a way that they would see it and they would understand he knew. Because we're told the first ones were the smartest ones, the elders. The elders, they're the wise ones. They took off first. Wise, aren't they? Let's get out of here. They went away one by one. The story leaves no doubt that the woman was caught in the act. There is no question of her guilt. The town knows her reputation well. My friends, I don't think any human person, remember Jesus, is fully human and fully divine. No one ever hated sin, an offense and affront to God more than Jesus. And at the same time, no one ever loved A sinner more than him. Because there's the proof of it behind me on that image. While we were still sinners, he died for you. Because he loves you. And we are told Jesus asked her, Has no one condemned you, woman? No one, sir. So we are left with the sinner and the one who is sinless standing before each other, looking at each other. Mercy, gazing upon misery. And Jesus says, I do not condemn you. Instead, he gives her the opportunity to change and the time to do it. She has the chance to put her past behind her and to make something new. The whole thing of the first reading, God says, I make it new for you. I've created a new path for you out of the sea. St. Paul, who murdered and tortured Christians, before Jesus smacked him off the horse. Remember that? That's what he's saying. I put it in my past now. And now I move to the future with my Lord in faith. Jesus gives her the ability and the chance to start anew. He says, go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. These last words are so very important because they are resplendent of Jesus' mission while on earth. Not coming to condemn, but to forgive and to heal. It ends the story from John's Gospel today, ends beautifully with Jesus condoning the woman. Woman. He speaks to her woman with respect. Woman but condemning her sin. Don't do that anymore. We learn that the qualification for judging comes not in our knowledge about the law or about someone's past, but by our own personal achievement and holiness and goodness. That's what Jesus is doing. Here, throw it if you are holy. therefore only God may judge and condemn particularly the person's heart and their motives, but we cannot see those. Only God can condemn the person. Two lessons. None of us is without sin and each of us will have to stand at one time or another in our lives. Misery looking at Mercy. And our Lord gives each the chance to put our past behind us and to start new. When we sincerely embrace his ways, his mercy, and truly choose to walk then in holiness and to be his disciple truly. Our Lord is more interested in restoring our life than in taking it. He's more interested in healing us than increasing hurt. He's more interested in our future than he will ever be in our past. The artist who created the artwork for us, our evangelists and the archangels, and she's working on some, uh, some other art. She also did this scene from the gospel today, from John's gospel and uh, most people d- may not recognize this oil painting because it's in the confessional. So if you don't come to the confessional, <laughs> you've never seen it before. Just saying. It's been here. I've been here eight years, coming up. So it's been there at least six <laughs> in that room. But I brought it out because it's the scene. And uh, Georgina Wells is the artist, and she's cleverly... Um, uh, she has Jesus holding the law in his hand. And the stone, she has the men, there's the woman uh, on her knees. And off here she has some more of the Pharisees and scribes, and very cleverly she's placed the dark one in there, Satan, because he's always there. So this figure is here. She has She had her reasons for interpreting John's this way, instead of the writing, but with the rock. And my friends, uh, our first Sunday of Lent, Jesus was uh, taken out into the desert. And that creature, Satan, was a deceiver and a liar and would love to distract you and to push you away and to deceive you. Do you remember what he told Jesus to do? You're hungry, right? God desires life. Take the stone and turn it into bread so that you may have life. And Jesus refuses. Satan, that thing comes back again. Influences the men. Is it not God's law? to stone the woman because she was an adulterer. Is it not God's law? Take the stone and kill her. He refused to make bread for himself. And in this scene, he refuses to use the stone to kill. I think Georgina Wells didn't even realize what she was doing when she painted it this way. She gave me good reason for a homily on the stone. (laughs) I will thank her when I see her next, when she brings in the work. Um, She's working on more stuff. My friends, if you haven't been up close to it, it's in the confessional. (laughs) Most days. But if not today, it's out here, and you can come and take a closer look uh, at it. friends. There's so much more uh, to say um, regarding this gospel. But, my friends, the, the Eucharist is a sign that God is more interested in restoring your life than condemning it that he is more interested in healing you because the Eucharist has that ability. He is more interested in your future than he is in your past, for the scriptures tell us so. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for your sacrifice and for your love and for your forgiveness and for the great gift of the Eucharist that you have given to your church and to your people. That they may have life. Did I say that paintings in the confessional? <laughs> I just want to make sure I drive that home. <laughs> now, my friends, remember, uh, please, uh, as uh, remember we were having uh, some issues with someone with the Eucharist leaving it on the pew. So one of the ways to get around that is if you'll work with me, uh, cooperate with me on this, uh, when you come forward to receive the Eucharist, this great gift of life, remember to consume the Eucharist immediately in front of the, don't walk away with it, or take it back to the pew. Rather, consume it immediately, and uh, that way uh, we will be able to find out who's doing that and that way i can correct it so that that abuse can never happen again one of the ways is just oh please consume the eucharist in front of the minister or even if you have to step to the side just for a moment again some people move quickly because they don't want to back up the line well don't worry about the line (laughs) it's not the lord's hour (laughs) it's the lord's weekend so we will take our time with the eucharist okay Please stand, we'll make our profession of faith. friends finally, uh, I'm always amazed by some Christians, but even some within our own family of Catholics who do not think Satan exists, that he's an abstract idea uh, from a book. Uh, yet Christ talked about him, and that's exactly the way Satan would love you to understand it. He doesn't exist, but he does. And he would love to deceive you. Your priest cannot be with you twenty four seven. To help you but the holy spirit can but to be armed with scripture yes but those men had scripture and yet satan influenced them because of their self-righteousness and their egotism satan used it so let us be careful with being self-righteous and being egotistical about things uh, but know your scripture have faith walk in holiness he would love to deceive you he would love to twist things for you. He would love to confuse you. He would love you to be self-righteous. He would love you to be egotistical. So now you know. Stay away from those things because he's always lurking. He does exist. And he doesn't like you. not like you at all. But don't be heartbroken by that.